Welcome to this week's episode of Making Sense of It All with Jesse Stakes. Everybody wants to make more money, right? If you own your own business, everybody that has a sales team wants to drive more sales. Am I correct? Are you with me? Well, this week, Kelly Hill, CEO of Sales Advisors right here in Florida, is joining me to talk about the nitty-gritty of being a fractional vice president of sales and how business owners that are in growth mode know that it's the time to bring in someone like her to help their organization. If you're interested in Kelly, check out episode 28 if you'd like to learn more about her story, because today, she's looking to help you out. Let's jump into it. So I know it's kind of a broad question and I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but it's been probably about nine months since we had you on the show, maybe a little bit more actually. How was 2023 for you guys? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've been in business since 2017 and every year is different. It's There are some trends living in Florida. We, we tend to see things slow down in the summer, but usually there's a really strong rebound about August when kids go back to school. This year wasn't like that. The last probably... Month or two of the year were really strong, but there was that lull right after the, the summer. So it was a good year, um, but I think that the economy was still weighing in on a lot of uh, business owners' minds. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are that people are unsure about, have some doubts, have some, you know, just some little bit of trepidation. And I think everyone's kind of being careful before they jump in the pool. They're definitely dipping their toe in or wading, wading into the water to kind of see what's coming next. I, I would totally agree with that. Yep. And, you know, you know we, we, we typically help, we, we are busier when people are concerned about their pipelines drying up. So while seeing that big push at the end of the year and into the beginning of the year tells me that some things were changing. So uh, we, we really saw things pick up um, November, December. No doubt. Well, and I think, you know, last time we talked, we, we talked a lot about your background. We talked a lot about how you started sales advisors and kind of the, you know, kind of your, your personal origin story, if you will, but I really felt like we left some meat on the bone when we wanted, I I wanted to dive into what it really means to be a fractional VP of sales, because I think there's a, it's it's timely. There's a lot of need for, for things right now, as far as with, with the way sales have been changing with the whole, um, not just the process, not just the way the organizations look, but just really the, the actual way that people are selling is different than it was five years ago. So I think there's a tremendous need for that right now. For, for those who aren't, that are not familiar, tell everybody what a fractional VP of sales is. Yeah. So basically, you know, this, this term fractional executives has come up pretty, has, has gained more awareness and popularity in the last three to four years before that was relatively unknown. But what we do, whether it's a VP of sales, a HR person, uh, a financial person, is we come in and we run a critical part of the business on a part-time basis. So instead of being a full-time employee, they contract with us to, to basically act as a full-time employee, but we do it uh, at, you know, a fractional part of our time. So typically this would mean for a VP of sales and a client that would hire me, 
that I would be on site for about eight hours a week. And I can divide that up um, between two days or make it all one day. Um, and that's the day that I really focus on holding the sales, the one-on-one -on -one sales meetings, the the reporting, you know, how are we doing year to date versus actual on the, on the uh, sales objective reporting and revenue generation reporting. And then, um, you know, just putting those critical sales infrastructure components in place um, doesn't mean we're not available the rest of the week. It just means we're managing that function remotely. And with salespeople, a lot of our salespeople are on the road or on the go anyway, so it works very well for us. But we're always available during the week for meetings, for uh, uh, customer calls or any issues that might come up. Um, so, again, we just manage that function on a part time basis. I got to imagine that, you know, trust is one of the biggest things when it comes to trusting a sales leader, trusting somebody who is, you know, as a salesperson that you're saying, okay, this person is, you know, is my leader, is the person that I'm going to take advice from. There's a, the trust is a huge component of that. When you're a fractional VP of sales, do you find that that part of the process is challenging to gain that trust and to gain that buy-in from the actual employees? Yeah, so that's an that's a great question. So it can go two ways. If they're if the sales organization um, contains low performing salespeople, they tend to not want to trust you because they feel threatened and they know you're coming in to make improvements and changes, which are likely to impact them. If it's if they have salespeople that are highly functioning and skilled and experienced, and they love having somebody who gets them who understands how to manage them professionally because they've typically been managed by a non-professional sales manager. So it could be the CEO is running the sales function or somebody else in that organization and they just don't get salespeople. I mean, I, I like to say salespeople are a very unique combination of being whiny and independent and that just doesn't go over well with, with you know, some people. <laughs> so, so it can go either way. Well, and I, I think that's so true. You know, that it's that old saying, iron sharp, sharpens iron. So mm -hmm. if you've got someone who has talent, who has, you know, they've they've kind of climbed to a level to where they're successful, but there's so much there's so much room to still grow. I think that that's, you know, it's tremendous when you have a, when you have a great resource that you can touch, that you can actually tap and, and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or you're getting a out, kind of an outside opinion. I think that's how you grow. That's how you get better. Yeah, and that's especially true with salespeople. I, you know, I'm a big believer that the best sales managers out there are committed to getting the results through their people. So they're not stealing the limelight. They're looking at ways to work with each individual salesperson to make them even better. And we can do that with coaching. We can do that by training. We can do that by um, working in the field with them, doing sales ride-alongs, uh, and, and really just providing that constructive feedback to help them be more successful. Do you feel like that the the, the... The, I guess the output of all of the effort and all the work that you're doing as a fractional VP of sales, do you feel like the output is is well received by the CEO or the president of the companies that you're working for? I mean, that's ultimately what they're what they're asking you to do. But I, do you feel like that they have? And I know that's pretty broad because I'm asking about yeah. multiple companies and asking for one answer. But but I think that you know everyone looks at a small company or a medium sized company and they think this is my baby. This is what I have put you know my blood, sweat, and tears into. So when somebody from the outside comes in and says, you know, here's how I think you can do better, or here's what I think is going wrong, sometimes people feel a little threatened or they feel a little defensive just because they look at it as their child. So yeah, you know that's true. But the the people who bring us in are looking for revenue growth, and they've been frustrated because they haven't been able. To to achieve the level of revenue growth that they want. And they know it's 
they need somebody who's more specialized in doing that than themselves. So we actually come in with, um, you know, uh, instead of a resistance or a defensiveness of, from the CEO that this is my baby, with really uh, a sense of hope. Here's somebody who's yeah. going to help us do this thing that we haven't been able to do before. Well, and I think it bears mention, too, that you guys really focus on on second stage companies as well. Yes. It's not like you're going in there and just handling somebody who's, you know, really small and just re- like, you know, completely independent. These people are looking to drive their business upwards. Exactly. And, and you know, they have a proven product or service. They've actually had success in generating revenue, selling what they're selling, but they hit a wall and they can't, they just don't know what to do when they hit that wall. So we come in, we evaluate the whole sales approach. And, and to your point earlier, a lot has changed in how, how we can be effective selling um, and, um, a lot of times it's just what worked before doesn't work now. So we'll come in and put some new things in place. So are there ways that you, in, when you interview a CEO or a president of a company and they're asking for your services, besides rev, you know, kind of the revenue size and the fact that they need help with sales, what are the things that make you know that this is going to be a good customer and they are ready to take on a fractional VP of sales? Yeah. So that's a good question. I've turned customers away who probably would have been good for my bank account, but (laughs) they were really the problem and they weren't really, they weren't ready to admit it. So that's the big litmus test for me is when I come in and I talk to somebody and I sit down, I want to make sure they're ready for change, that they will give me the uh, autonomy to do what I need to do and drive those results and give me time. So they're not, um, they're not uh, desperate and um, they're committed to that long-term growth. Now, I also ask from them that they set the organization up for um, support of making sure we can execute whatever we bring in from a sales standpoint. So that's their charge when they're working with me. I'm here to bring in those new revenues and those new customers. And I really need their partnership and making sure the rest of the organization is prepared for that. So I kind of make them a part of that equation um, when I do come in and when I'm interviewing them. And that's kind of how I determine who's going to be the right people to work with and who aren't. Yeah, I got to imagine some, you know, sometimes when people are declined or when you say, no, nah, it's not for me, they, they probably run towards you a little harder as well, because they, you're like, why are you why are you turning me down? I asked for your services. Well, and I don't, I don't do it as a sales ploy at all. I mean, I, I had a conversation just the other day with um, a, a potential client. I just said, look, I've talked to you over the last five years and every time you're resistant to what I want to tell you or what I want to share with you or advise you on, why are you ready now? I mean, I, is that going to change? And he was like, sat back in his chair and he said, I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. But now that I think about it, I think you're right. And he said, I am ready. So, you know, just, you have to be the adult in the room and have that hard conversation, whether it's on uh, the CEO level or some of the other operations point. Uh, touch points, um, or even with the salespeople. And you're not, you know, there's never a time I would be malicious, we would be malicious. It's all about what's the right thing for the company. Well, and to your point, you have to set yourself up for success as well. Because if somebody brings you into a situation that is not set up for you to do what you need to do, then it's, I got to imagine that would be very challenging for you to show success. And if you're not showing success, then it, 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 it does a disservice to this, to your business and the service that you offer. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and and there are times when we get into an engagement where I'll have to course correct because I find out some things as I get in that I didn't know going in. Um, but again, it's just making sure I'm, I'm sitting down with the CEO, 
um, sometimes the COO or CFO are involved in that process as well. And and just laying it out on the line and saying, hey, guys, if we truly want to get to this goal, which you hired me to do, uh, I need your help in this area. So um, it, it's all about constant open communication and being a partner to these people that run this business every day. Well, and to that point, I got to imagine it's a great way that, you know, you're about to influence their sales folks and you're about to, you know, show leadership over their sales teams. And so, you know, to to that point, these are things that they should be doing as salespeople as well. They should be putting themselves in good situations to where it's a, their, their service or their product that they're selling is a good fit for the organization that they're trying to come into. Absolutely. And that's a, a big part of what I do is help those salespeople qualify opportunities. So, you know, a lot of times they're not, they just feel like any opportunity is a good opportunity and they tend to bring things, opportunities into the organization that aren't a good fit. And that creates a lot of friction. And it also creates, uh, uh, you know, a little bit, it gives the salespeople a reputation that they're just troublemakers. And we don't want that. We want them to bring home runs every time. And, and it's hard to say no, but you develop ways to turn those people to other resources and, and keep focused on the type of business you really want to bring in. No doubt. Well, so when you're a fractional VP of sales and you said like you're, you're, you're spending a certain amount of time with that business every day, but you are available kind of offsite, but how do you manage the day-to-day operations for your client sales teams at that point? Yeah. So, so we're always on site for the critical meetings. So they, they might be running on EOS and they have their, weekly L10 meetings on the leadership level and on the department level. So we'll be on site for the most part with those. Um, if it's a local client, sometimes they're they're not local, so you have to do them remote anyways. We do um, make sure we're on site for annual planning sessions um, and quarterly reviews. Um, and then, it, you know, you, you develop that rapport with the salespeople by holding one-on-ones with them. The one-on-ones are typically 30 to 45 minutes, and it's all about what can you do to help the salesperson. Um, and then you, you know, reviewing the numbers. So a lot of, a lot of what I do in the sales management function, I can do more efficiently. Um, uh, I can do more effectively than a CEO because a CEO's juggling a lot of different things and, and they're just not really, uh, as we said before, they may be a great salesperson because they built the business and they were responsible for sales, but the sales management aspect is the part that they're just not great at. So weighs them down. So I tend to just be able to come in and do it better and faster with less of an investment on time. No doubt. Well, and forgive me for for my analogies here, but I've always felt like some of the best sales managers are the people, the leaders that almost act like a psychologist for these salespeople, because a lot of their roadblocks are in their own head. So it's getting them to self-actualize what they're doing to sabotage themselves and get out of their own way and find success. Yes, absolutely. Psychology is a big part of it. you know, and as as really the whole um, sales approach has changed over the years, uh, I, the other thing that I think I bring in that help, is helpful and timely is I had not only 15 years in sales before I opened my business, but I also had 13 years in purchasing. So I come at it from the aspect of, all right, we know how to sell our thing, but what is the buyer want? And how do we make sure we dovetail into that, that, that buyer process and, and set that buyer up for success? So I think that's been really a, a nice um, new perspective that I've been able to bring to these teams. I've always felt like one of the most important things that a salesperson needs to ask, ask themselves before they ever walk in the front door or jump on the phone with a client is, why are they speaking to me? And yes. if, you can't, if you can't answer that question, 
you're not there yet. You have no idea why, like you shouldn't be presenting a product. You shouldn't be talking about a product. You still have to, you have to figure that out before you do, before you ever get to step one. Yep. There's a whole qualification process that, that should be followed before they even identify that as an opportunity. First you want to, I mean, you want to be seen as a, as an advisor, as somebody who's knowledgeable and they can trust. So you're asking a lot of questions from a point of view that you're there to help and you're there to basically be the guardian to make sure this is the right decision for them instead of forcing them or, or tricking them into saying yes. No doubt. Do you have any of your favorite before and after stories kind of where people have, people have, you know, experienced failure or just kind of ran up against a wall, like you said, and then they've brought you in and they have experienced a level of success that they've never seen before? Yeah. So I've got a couple of good ones that come to mind. Um, I, I mean, I, I've got a lot of great clients in all different industries, so it's hard to pick. But <laughs> in my experience, people love stories, so I'll take as many as you want to give me. Okay, well, two of my favorite are I worked with a company uh, that basically had all uh, referral business, so all inbound referral business, and the CEO was handling um, uh, all of the sales. Now, this is a company that provides uh, vendor management to credit unions or financial institutions. And even though uh, they're based here in Florida, they do business nationally, not internationally. But the CEO basically wanted to get out of that sales role and start to work in forming partnerships with other people in the industry. So he hired me to come in and basically develop a written sales process, um, hire three regional salespeople and onboard them, and then set up all of the, the sales metrics, if you will. So that's exactly what I did. I hired, started with a, uh, a Western regional person because that's where they had the most potential since they'd been focused on the East. Then we hired, uh, a, a, you know, a central person, person and an, uh, Eastern based person. And these folks were all remote, but they were very seasoned and experienced in the industry and helped them with their sales messaging, their qualification process. That, that was all part of the onboarding. Um, and, and then, you know, just basically, um, you know, help them organize how they prospect and who they focus on. So um, in the end, we hired these three salespeople. The the CEO was able to lift himself out of sales. And he was, he's a brilliant guy, but he's a lawyer. And he was, he had that, a little bit of this, didn't like the customer very much mentality. So we were able right. to really shift that into, you know, we the customer drives our business instead of, you know, you guys need this because, you know, we're here to protect you. So it was a, a real shift in how they went to to market and it worked out very well for them. They ended up selling the business um, for multiple times <laughs> the the value of the company, but they had this sales engine in place that allowed that revenue to continue, even though the CEO was was not in the business anymore. So that was a, a really nice uh, success story. I think that brings up a key point. I mean, when you talk about, because everybody has an either an, an exit strategy or they have a goal they're working towards. And, and most small business owners, it's a, they're looking for that windfall event. And a lot of times that is selling the business and or partnering with a larger firm. But, you know, to your point, you're putting in, you're putting in processes, you're putting in things to where that business is going to run and be profitable without them stirring the drink all the time. And I think that that is so key that people and people don't realize that all the time. They they're they're kind of owner operators of their business or they're in there. They're constantly they're constantly keeping it, keeping everything lifted up. And that's not scalable. That's not sellable. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and you actually get more value if you have a, a you know, sales organization in place that's going to be there and it's going to continue to work. No doubt. A new owner takes takes place. So he he knew that. And, it, you know, we achieved his goal by by basically building this team. And then at the end, I hired a sales manager to replace myself. So that's what I do. I come in, I get it all put in place, make sure it's working. And then I hire uh, you know, a management person to take my place. Um, there's another great story I'd love to share with you, Jesse. Please um, do. Okay. This was a, it's a small engineering company. They're still, you know, healthy and vibrant. They're over on the space coast of Florida and, you know, they're engineers run by engineers. Uh, the CEO is an engineer, the CEO is an engineer. They didn't know anything about sales. They hired a couple of salespeople who, um, weren't performing very well. It was a typical, you know, uh, we think every customer is an ideal customer. So, the salespeople are bringing in these unqualified opportunities. The quoting team, you know, you do custom engineering and you spend a lot of time on these on these quotes and on these RFPs because it's all customized work. Well, the quoting team was doing all this quoting and none of these deals were converting. So it was a huge drain on their resources. So I came in, evaluated the, the two sales reps they had. One just wasn't um, really uh, fit for the role. She wasn't, she... She just had had no ability to really t sell something that's technical. Right. So we, we ended up um, replacing her and the other, uh, we turned into a sales engineer instead of a salesperson and it worked very well. So we had highly capable salesperson that came in uh, supported by a sales engineer who would do a lot of those initial quoting functions without it actually going into the, the quoting team who was also the project management team. And then another interesting thing we did, which they never thought of is, their whole focus was on inventors. So finding inventors where they can basically take their idea and make it a product. Well, okay. that's uh inventors a lot of times don't have money. Um, they are a they cost a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. They're very price price sensitive. They're not funded. So we switched the whole focus over to being an outside engineering resource for a lot of these techno, you know, high-tech companies that are in the space coast. So, hey, you guys have this project. You don't have all the resources to complete it. Why don't you hire our electrical engineering engineer, mechanical engineer, um, and let us manage a part of the, the project as a subcontractor uh, for you? So it, it totally changed the focus of their business, and it was a it was a huge win for the organization. So they've continued to grow. They're, they've increased. Their, they were relatively small when I started working with them, but this kind of created that foundation now that. They grew uh, quite nicely in the, the last five years or so that I've been working with them. No doubt. Well, and what I, you know, kind of that overarching theme that I just heard right there is that you got to have the right people. You got to hire the right people for the right roles. And if you if you don't, it's it's a it, it really can impede the success of the organization. Yep, and that's that's crazy creates a lot of that frustration. By the time I get there, they usually try to hire some people and they haven't worked out. And um, it, you know, it's just a lot of times because they're not hiring the right person or onboarding that person, they're not setting them up for success. You know, it's one of the most overarching themes that I hear when I interview business owners, when I talk to people in service industries, anything, is that you've got to be willing to let go and ask for help because nobody does it by themselves. There's nobody who's successful by themselves. Right. And the, the beautiful thing about it is there's a lot of resources out there for help, whether they're paid trusted advisors like myself or a lot of the support organizations for small businesses. So yes, ask for help, get, talk to other people. How have you succeeded? How, you know, how did you get over this hurdle? Uh, you know, there's this huge network of uh, 
CEO peer groups that are really great um, for helping other you know CEOs understand how to handle obstacles. So lots of resources. No doubt. But before we wrap up, you know, there's a, I know everybody thinks they're a unicorn, but there's a lot of functions <laughs> that are very similar for most companies. Um, do you have any resources that you feel like that are great that you could share with the audience, things that you think they would benefit from? Yeah. So to your point, every company is different and you're absolutely right. But when you're a second stage company, they tend to share a lot of the same pain points when it comes to sales. So even though their audience is different, their pitch is different, their sales cycle is different, they all kind of have that right. pain point. So I created uh, several different resources, uh, checklists, basically. So they're little cheat sheet checklists that help somebody understand how to hire a high-performing salesperson. So what to look for and how to do it. So, you know, it's the initial setup on how you prepare for hiring that salesperson and then kind of the tools you're going to need and then how you actually hire them and onboard them. Um, I, I put together a checklist for people to understand how to develop an effective sales comp plan. So your compensation plan is critical to that person staying focused on what you want them to sell. And um, it also has to be built in a way that makes them not too comfortable with the base, hungry for the commission, right? And then visualize how they get that commission. So it's a really nice checklist for people that have, might have uh, tried to, several different comp plans and haven't found the right fit. Um, and then uh, the third one I provided was just how to create effective sales messaging, because that's really important too. A lot of times we're, we're just guilty of wanting to talk about us, 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 and your sales messaging should be all about your customers' problems and how you how you provide solutions to those problems. No doubt. And I think, especially in today's world, because, I mean, you've got so much, you've got so much being thrown at people in like, whether it's through AI, through bots, through just automated emails, you know, people... The people used to joke about junk mail in their real mailbox, but I mean, I think we get, you know, 10 times the junk mail in our email boxes and electronically anymore. So it is difficult sometimes to sift through the, the, the junk and get to what's real and get to what's going to actually be valuable for us as people. So I think those are tremendous resources. I will make sure that when we post this, that they are available underneath the video to where people can click on them, they can look at them. And I think just like any tool, I mean, if somebody, somebody could hand me a hammer and it doesn't mean that I could put up a roof, you know, somebody could hand me a chainsaw. It doesn't mean I'm going to cut down my own trees, but what it does do is it makes you realize what am I good at and what am I not good at? So, you know, if you're going to, Bring in Kelly and and you're going to, you know, you try to, you use her tools, you look at her tools and you realize, okay, these are things that I don't have in place. It, there's a, there's that self-realization there too, when you do look at quality tools, because it makes you realize what am, what am I good at? What am I not? Where do I need help? Yeah, absolutely. I think assessments are great. Either, um, you know, assessing your organization, assessing a part of your organization, or even on an individual level, there's uh there's a lot of great tools out there to do that and give you that immediate feedback on where you can focus to make the biggest bang on your buck for your no buck. Doubt. No doubt. So when my audience hears this, they're interested in speaking to Kelly, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? What's the best way for them to get a hold of sales advisors and talk to you guys and see if you guys would be a good fit? Yeah, so thank you. The first thing I would advise them to do is look at our website. It is uh, www.salesadvisorsfl, which is for Florida. Dot com, And uh, you can get a really great overview of what we do. There's some additional resources. You can sign up for our, the newsletter that we offer on a monthly basis. Um, but pick up the phone and call me too. If you, if you just want to bounce some ideas off of me, 
or you want to learn more about how I could help your specific team, I'm always uh, happy to have that initial conversation. And if I can't, if I'm not a good fit, uh, then I can certainly um, give you some feedback that will still help you. But my telephone number is 407-578-5277. Excellent. Kelly, I really appreciate you joining the show today. I'm looking forward to having you on several times this year, just so we can talk through different topics that are, that are you know, valuable for people in, in, in this year and, and beyond. But But I think you're an incredible resource, and I'm glad to be able to bring you to the audience. Well, thank you, Jesse. I look forward to the partnership we're forming here. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the partnership and everything that you do for your clients, Kelly. A good friend of mine and a person that I consider pretty successful in their own right once said to me that nobody can do it by themselves. Unless you have good people surrounding you, there's only so far that you can travel on your own. And I couldn't agree more. Sometimes those people are like Kelly Hill, and they provide an incredible service and help leave your business better than when you started working with them. I think that's pretty awesome. And I would encourage you to reach out to Kelly if you think that she could be a benefit to you and your organization. That's going to do it for us today. I'll catch you guys next time.